You're listening to the Dynasty Battlefield Podcast with your hosts, Thomas and Jerry Tyrell. Welcome everyone to today's episode of Dynasty Battlefield Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Thomas Tyrell. As you, as always, you can find me on Twitter at DynastyBfieldTT. Today I'll be joined, um, as always, by my co-host, my cohort, and my Dynasty nemesis, my brother, Jerry Tyrell. Uh, thank you for that warm introduction. You can find me on uh, Twitter also at DynastyBfieldJT. Awesome, Jerry. Also, we would like to mention, uh, if you would, check out our website, DynastyBattlefield.com. Um, we have multiple battles listed there uh, that you can peruse, as well as we are also commissioning a 12-team Superflex startup currently. Uh, we are both in in... We were both joined in the league. Yeah. That was not easy to say. We're both in the league, and we would like to uh, have you guys join us and have you test your fantasy football wits against us. Absolutely. And that is a $50 startup. Yeah, $50 startup. Like I said, 12-team mm-hmm. uh, standard super flex, no premiums or anything, uh, full-point mm-hmm. PPR. And, um, yeah, we'd like to uh, fill that league as quickly as we can. Absolutely. Uh, so let's go ahead and just uh, go ahead and get into today's battle. Uh, I'll go ahead and introduce it. So in today's battle, we're going to be looking at two rookie running backs who are going currently in the uh, late third, early fourth round of the rookie, or I'm sorry, of the uh, Dynasty Startups and uh, DeAndre Swift and Cam Akers. Uh, and with that, mm-hmm. Jerry, I'll let you go ahead and get started with your player profiles, if you'd like. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, like we said, we got uh, Acres and Swift here. Um, you know, just initially going in, going into looking at both of these guys. Um, I really uh, like Swift because I liked watching him play uh, out of out of Georgia um, and seeing those Georgia running backs. Um, didn't really know a whole lot about Acres once uh, once we started this. Uh, well, I guess before uh, before the rookie drafts had started, uh, but uh, but digging into them, I can't say that uh, my opinion has changed uh, too terribly uh, too terribly much. Um, both of these guys come out of the same uh, high school recruiting class. Um, Acres was a five-star recruit out of uh, Mississippi, and uh, Swift is a five-star recruit out of Philadelphia. Acres was actually the uh, the number one high school recruit, uh, according to twenty four seven Sports, uh, ESPN rivals and scouts. So, like the average rank, he yeah. was ranked number one out of all of those uh, all of those sites. With uh, with Swift actually being number four in that class. So yeah, so it's very interesting because both of these guys have a pretty similar similar start into uh, going into their college careers. Um, they have, uh, you know, Acres had uh, multiple offers uh, from schools like Alabama, LSU, Tennessee, Ole Miss. So he had a lot of SEC um, uh, interest. Uh, so that was that was very interesting to see. Yeah, well, he landed at Florida State, which is uh, another high-profile school. So I think that mm-hmm. um, outside of the SEC in Florida, I think that, that that Florida State is, you know, Florida State and Miami, of course, those are the two larger schools. Um, 
as far as like drawing town from in-state. So yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. You're so it doesn't surprise right. me that Acres would have offers from uh, SEC schools as well, considering he was highly has that highly touted. Yeah, I agree, and I think that he probably would have done a better job going to some of those SEC schools because the Florida State offensive line was just uh, horrendous. Uh, he had a uh, he had an uphill battle running behind that offensive line. Yeah, no doubt. And that's been well chronicled um, all throughout this offseason, mm-hmm. uh, talking about him coming into the league yeah. and mentioning and mentioning his terrible offensive line. And, mm-hmm. yeah, it's been pretty much a dumpster fire since uh, since he got there, Florida State, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, they've had a downturn in the program. Um, but they're still able to get talent. You know, so uh, yeah, they, they, had, they have a lot of talent on the team. But it just mm-hmm. kind of shows you uh, how vital – uh, offensive lines, you know, just the, the lines in general are mm-hmm. so uh, absolutely. But I think he still showed well, considering that. Um, with that in mind, I think uh, most scouts still see the talent, uh, and he didn't get downgraded too much based on that offensive line uh, because of everyone knowing how terrible it was. So I think maybe he's even. Uh, impressed upon some people you know based on that line and he mm-hmm. actually made some work Absolutely. you know made made, yeah. made nothing out of something you know made yeah. something out of nothing i should right, say Sorry right he that. actually yeah. uh, uh there was a benefit to him performing as well as he did behind the uh, terrible offensive line like sure. that right uh, and he's going to a team who also has <laughs> right a uh terrible offensive line with the uh with the rams uh, they've got one of the worst worst offensive lines in the NFL. Yeah, by all accounts, it looks like it's uh, definitely 31 or 32, uh, mm-hmm. looking at some of the lists. And and it wasn't great last year, uh, especially when you look at this, the, the PFF statistics on it. They didn't grade very well. Right. And uh, they didn't do anything to upgrade – uh, that from last year so they are just another year down the road with a lot of the same people um, their best tackle uh, their best I'm sorry yeah their best tackle is uh, Whitworth and he's 38 or 39 years old so that um, speaks to the fact that maybe that's why they looked at Cam Akers because hey do we have can we find a guy in this draft who could make plays not always on his own or not all on his own but you know can do we have a guy that uh, in this draft that you know, is able to shake off uh, a bad offensive line and uh, still make some make right. some hay, make some production. One another good thing about Acres is that he's a tremendous pass blocker. Um, he um, he allowed just 15 pressures in 324. Uh, passing uh, passing snap so I think that uh, uh, is a nice feather in his cap when he's you know going to a team with a terrible offensive line like that yeah I totally agree Um, what I think is interesting though is that for um, the Rams who consider to have like a zone running scheme uh, uh, Cam Akers really isn't a zone runner um, nor is Daryl Henderson I think so I think there's at least some uh, signs out there that they may be changing the offense a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe going uh, twelve personnel, two tight ends, and um, you know, getting away from that the three, the you know, the one back, the three uh, receiver sets, uh, just based purely on the, the you know the lack of mm-hmm. the lack of. Uh, 
beefiness. I don't know. That's not the right word I'm looking for, but yeah. that offensive line is just not holding up very well. So I think you're going to see other tight ends on the field. You'll see a little bit different offense than we had seen before. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, they had seen they had shown pieces of that throughout certain games last year. I think Chicago was one of those games where uh, the Rams, when they played Chicago, they, their offense looked completely different than it had looked up to that point because they were having no success with that zone running game. So they kind of changed it. And um, I don't think that really fit Gurley as well. And that's part of part of the reason that they may have moved on from Gurley outside of uh, him being hurt, which I don't know how true that is, you know, based on the offensive line and all that stuff. They just couldn't afford to pay him anymore. Uh, but here, here we are sitting with Acres. And so it's going to be interesting to see if, uh, A, he's going to be in a, in a backfield with another young running back that they took last year in the second round, Daryl Henderson. Mm-hmm. Um, so from that perspective, it's going to be uh, an interesting battle between those guys in the camp to see, uh, is this something uh, I think they made mention, made mention of this week that they kind of see how those things worked out and uh, that they – planned on using everybody which i think is not just coach speak i think everybody at this time especially given this year where we haven't seen anybody yet there's no been there's not been any training camps or rookie camps or anything mm-hmm. up to this point so i think uh, he's just kind of hedging his bets and not committing to anything there by saying they're going to use everybody yeah um i think uh looking at pedigree though you have to give the nod to acres in that backfield uh over henderson just based on uh like you were saying the number one you know and by all recruiting services a top five player coming out of mm-hmm. high school in the country yep. so mm-hmm. you would think that that would put him a little uh ahead of of henderson but henderson's been there and um mm-hmm. you can't discount that as well right. so and they did move up to take Henderson last year when there were some concerns with uh, with Gurley. So um, how the Dynasty community reacted to that was to take uh, Daryl Henderson, which, you know, it looks like that's kind of maybe a potential uh, a foolish move. Uh, we were reading the tea leaves a little bit too deep uh, on the on Henderson last year. And I think I uh, I was one of those that that fell victim victim to that because yeah. I took uh, I took Henderson in one of uh, one of my drafts last year um, but they like I said they did move up to take him in the third so they did give up a few assets to move up um, to take him so uh, going into it I think that it you're right I think it will be a battle between the two um, but uh, you know with Acres pedigree his pass blocking uh, skills his pass catching skills like I think that he will be on the field uh, often and early uh, in the season, and uh, I think that he'll eventually um, come out with the starting job in that situation. Yeah, that's a that's a great point about the pass blocking. That's something that I had overlooked when I was looking at these players, and I think um, yeah, it's a good point, especially uh, considering the conversation we just had about the offensive line. So you got to figure that uh, having just that extra blocker in the backfield on those. You know, they like to run the hell out of some play action, right? Mm-hmm. So yep. they're going to need someone who can step up and make that block on the uh, the blitzing linebacker. Yeah. So I kind of I kind of like that. I really enjoy that stat. I didn't I hadn't seen that, so I like that. Yeah, and, uh, and you know, Gurley left. He's leaving a hole of what they had like 223 attempts last year. So yeah. those those attempts are going to go somewhere. And I think that uh, 
you know, with his pass blocking skills, that's like the number one trait for a rookie to have to get on the field early to have that opportunity is to be able to be a good pass blocker. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, just going by those vacated carries, if you were to uh, just assume that Akers is going to get two thirds of those carries, you know, and so we're looking at 160 carry season, 160 carry rookie season, which isn't going to be too bad, you know, and I'm, I'm sure they'll. Uh, because he's going to be on the field in those in those mm-hmm. positions where he's relied uh, mm-hmm. on for pass blocking, that he'll be able to leak out and catch some balls out of the backfield. Mm-hmm. Did, did you learn anything about his hands? Did he have? Was that kind of an offense? Well, they use him like that at, for, at Florida there, State at all? There were some concerns with his uh, with his drop rate. Um, he had sixty eight of eighty six uh, sixty eight receptions on eighty six targets for four hundred and three yards, which is pretty good. But he had nine mm-hmm. uh, nine. Drops. Okay. Um, so that is a that is a concern. I'd say but, so. But I think that's something that uh, that can be worked on. Sure. For sure. Yeah. So let's uh, let's turn our attention a little bit to DeAndre Swift. Um, mm-hmm. And like, as you mentioned again, another top five uh, recruit coming out of high school. I can remember vividly his freshman year getting on the field with uh, Michelle and Chubb in the backfield. Um, they made a point to get him some touches and get him involved uh, most likely because he's a high recruit you know and they didn't redshirt him and I'm sure they had made promises to get him on the field so uh, nonetheless he still he had a pretty stellar uh, freshman year when you look at his efficiency uh, almost eight yards of carry uh, with on behind that you know sweet Georgia offensive line uh, and then you could see over the course of his career his efficiency has kind of tailed off a little bit uh, which is expected you know you, when you uh, it's kind of hard to have the same efficiency on uh, almost 170 carries that you have on 90 um, that just you know the more the more touches you have usually generally speaking mm-hmm. the less efficient you're going to be mm-hmm. um, but it's a nice little progression he is a great catcher out of, of the ball out of the backfield mm-hmm. uh, one of his strengths is catching the ball out of the backfield and he's going to be in a similar situation as cam Akers in that he's going to a backfield with another young running back uh highly thought of in the dynasty community a couple years ago carry on johnson who i believe is only going to be 23 this year and already has two years under his belt in the league um now he's not played he's got some injury concerns uh carry on johnson that is obviously he's not played full two seasons um so you have to think that that's at least part of the reason that uh, the Lions have, have dipped in uh, the running back pool again here. So they took uh, they took DeAndre Swift, the third pick of the second round. So that's pretty high draft capital. Um, and when you look at start looking at the offense for Detroit, uh, they're starting to collect some nice little pieces, right? They got you know Galladay, who's mm-hmm. getting ready to turn 26, getting ready to be in his prime. Um, they got Hawkinson last year, by all you know, top ten, uh, top ten uh, pick last year, uh, number one re- tight end off the board last year. Uh, great blocker, a uh, mm-hmm. lot of promise for him this year. Yeah. Um, so I think Andre uh, DeAndre Swift is another in that line of. Playmakers that Detroit's looking for. I'm not sure Carryon Johnson can hold, can stand up to uh, 
uh, the beating that it takes mm. from running back. I don't. I'm not a fan of. I wasn't a fan of his coming in, but he's. Uh, Carry on Johnson. I'm not a fan of his because of his upright running style. I think that lends to more hits and just more injuries. And mm-hmm. um, so, from that perspective, I think I would definitely uh, lean towards Swift getting the nod in that backfield. Mm-hmm. But even yet, even we assume it's probably going to be a split. I mean, Carry on Johnson's not. Uh, he's not old, like I just said, right? right. He's he's, yeah, he's, 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 he's very young. super young. So this could very easily be like a 50-50 backfield split or mm-hmm. uh, a, something where they have both these guys on the field at the same time. They split yeah. out, you know, they can split out Swift because mm-hmm. he has those great hands yeah. and um, use him in that way. So mm-hmm. it's going to be interesting to see how Detroit uses, uh, uses these guys. Yeah. Um, I would... Like I said, I would imagine that talent is going to win out in the end and that uh, based on uh, the injury history of Kerryon Johnson, mm-hmm. uh, that Swift will have this backfield. And I believe I believe before before midseason, this will be a 60-40 split in the Swift, Swift, Swift side. And I think maybe, you know, maybe week one, week two, depending on, you know, because we're not going to have any preseason games, mm-hmm. uh, I could see a 60-40 on the Kerryon Johnson side. Yeah. Uh, but... I think you'll see the difference in the talents, and that'll be apparent in the way they run, their styles, uh, the way the offense responds with those guys in. Yeah. And I'm a firm believer in DeAndre Swift. I think um, listening to all pre-draft information led uh, – he was considered the number one running back of this class before landing spot. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm not going to let landing spot – uh, deter me from uh, taking DeAndre Swift here, or any like any any draft. I'm not gonna let the landing spot kind of deter me. I'm more of a I'm more of a, a talent will rise to the top kind of drafter. So I like to take the best players mm-hmm. that I think talent wise, and um, so I think in that backfield, I think DeAndre Swift will rise above Carrying on Johnson, and uh, we'll see that through midseason mm-hmm. uh, that that play out. Yeah. So. Yeah, I um, I agree with uh, a lot of your um, assessment there. Um, you're right. He is considered the uh, number one um, receiving back in this class. So I think that's going to uh, help him quite a bit. Like with the current situation that they have in Detroit right now, like they have four running backs with uh, 200 uh, yards or more on the ground. So that tells me that they are spreading that ball out. They don't have a number one guy back there well, right, right now. Um, I think that speaks to Kerryon Johnson's injuries as well because they've had to spread the ball out. He's not available all the time, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I think ideally they would have used Kerryon more, and we might have in that situation might have you know two mm-hmm. running backs that have that or three running backs as opposed to the four. Mm-hmm. But I agree, they couldn't find. Once once he got hurt, they were just they were searching high and low to find something to work for that offense, and their offense was a dumpster fire last year. Yes, completely, very much so because of you know uh, the injury to Stafford, and there was a couple quarterbacks that stepped in, and you know uh, I think like we had talked about on the Galladay battle, Galladay was still able to shine above and beyond uh, his quarterback play, but uh, the running back situation uh, nobody could shine back there. 
you know, they do have um, – they are the 11th ranked offensive line in the NFL right now. So they do have a good offensive line there mm-hmm. yeah. uh, for the running backs to run behind. Uh, but you're right. I think that um, – I think it's going to be another, you know, um, committee in the beginning. And hopefully, you know, we'll see the talent rise to the top and Swift uh, Swift comes out of that. Um, you know, because you, know, you get Matt Patricia there – the, the, you know, I was doing. You know, as I was doing research, they have not had a winning coach there. I, I, I can't remember. <laughs> it's it's like 15, 15 to twenty years. That's that, got to be longer than that, right? Well, I don't know. They might have had. I don't, I don't know the the Lions' um, history, recent history, yeah. that well as far as coaches go. I know. Right. Uh, just, just going back to. I mean, would have been like the, the early '90s, probably before they had a guy who. But a coach, you know, like I don't know, coaches over 500. We have to look that up because yeah, oh, an over 500 record. I'm with you. I think yeah, it's probably it's, been a while since the, since the Lions have 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 had a coach finish sustain. their tenure. Yeah, finish their tenure like that because generally they get run out in Detroit. Um, yes, you're you're absolutely right. It might have been you know 20 or 30 years, but but my point is is that you know uh, Matt Patricia was a uh, was a good get because he was coming from a system in New England that have has produced championships but um, like we talked off air like you know but that coaching tree really hasn't produced a whole lot of great coaches mm-hmm. uh, you know I think the the one that may still have a chance to produce at uh, head coach would be their offensive coordinator uh, at this point in New England but uh, yeah. job Josh McDaniels. Josh McDaniels, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I blanked on his name there for a second. But, yeah, I agree. Um, but uh, I don't know. Like, I think talent wins in this situation. Like, I think I would still take take Swift. Um, I think that Akers will have a chance to make a, a, a more e- immediate impact um, just because that backfield is uh, is so messy and mm-hmm. ugly. Yeah. Um, and where you have Carryon Johnson, who is a little bit more established than um, than Daryl Henderson is on the Rams, so I'm going to say that in this battle, I'm going to have to take Swift. Yeah, I think um, looking at both these guys, when I'm sitting there and I'm um, deciding who I'm looking at there in that uh, late third, early fourth round spot, um, I found my posi- I found myself in a position like that a couple times where I'm sitting there and um, I haven't taken a running back yet. You know, it's most likely super flex. So we're uh, quarterback and some of those are tight end premiums. And so mm-hmm. I'm looking at, you know, third round, I still don't have a running back and I'm looking at these guys. I'm going with you. I'm going to take DeAndre Swift because I feel like he's going to have the higher ceiling of us of, for career wise. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like Cam Akers. Uh, he's got a lot going for him. I think his situation in, in L.A. is going to be good. I think uh, I don't see – I was not a Henderson believer last year. And um, so I think he'll have that job similar, similarly. He'll have that job by midseason where he's more 60, 40, 70, 30. Um, and I think part of that is because of what you mentioned, him being able mm-hmm. to sustain um, a good block, you know, being able to help pass protection is going to help him out. Mm-hmm. Um, but going back to these in these 
two players specifically, Akers and Swift. Um, I, like I said, I I do like the uh, actually like the Detroit uh, offense going forward. I know that's counterintuitive. Most people are they love Sean McVay and the Rams and um, outside of the the two. I mean, outside of the the one breakout year and then the year where they went to the Super Bowl, like it's been those last. It's been two years, right? So it's those last two years have been pretty rough. Like, um, and downward trajectory. Yeah, sure. I think so. So, and, and and like I said, I made mention of like I've heard other people rumors kind of saying that the offense may be changing. As I mentioned, looking at the running backs that they have and the style that they run, and um, you know, just trying to figure out a better situation for that offensive line to function better. So. With those things, and you mentioned uh, Detroit having like the 11th ranked uh, offensive line. offensive line ranked by uh, is this a PFF stat I'm assuming mm-hmm. or okay yeah so when you look at their grading uh, so they're gonna have a you know much better offensive line I think he's got to have a better uh, I like Matthew Stafford more than Jared Goff I'm mm-hmm. not sold on Patricia as a coach. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know that offense looked pretty looked pretty stellar the first eight weeks of the season. Uh, all projections were sky high based on uh, the way the offense was moving in Detroit, and then uh, Stafford got hurt and kind of really put a wrench in everything. And as most franchises would, right? Uh, mm-hmm. They just kind of went in the toilet with a couple of non-script, you know, non-descript backups that right. can make. You know, you can still have a decent fantasy season from a wide receiver with some backup quarterbacks, especially when you're just Kenny Galladay and you're just chucking the ball downfield. And, you know, like. Yeah, he has the talent to go. go yeah, get. you could. And when you look at his statistics during all that, like his target targets went way down because they couldn't even get the ball to him. You know, like mm-hmm. they. But, you know, uh, and that's just, you know, we've already had that battle. But, yeah. Um, yeah. So in this battle. Uh, give me, give me the guy who has played at at the highest levels, um, again in the SEC. Um, so I'm going to take DeAndre Swift in this battle Agreed. over Cam Akers. I, I agree 100. percent I mean, I can see where, I can see where if uh, if you don't necessarily agree, you do, you can pick out those caveats of Cam Akers and and point to those. Uh, you know, say he's a little bit bigger back. Um, you know, he did run behind a terrible offensive line and and uh, and succeeded, um, and he has the ability to do that in the NFL. But um, longevity wise, I think that uh, going swift here would be the uh, be your answer. All right. Well, sounds like this battle wasn't much of a battle at all. Cam Akers came and he got thrashed. So. Yes, uh, yeah. So with that, we'll go ahead and close this episode out. Uh, I want to thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Dynasty Battlefield Fantasy Football Podcast. Uh, remember, you can follow me on Twitter at DynastyBfieldTT. And our main handle also is at DynastyBfield. Uh, Jerry, remind us of your handle, please. Yeah, uh, handle is at DynastyBfieldJT. And don't forget, go over to DynastyBattlefield.com. We also have more player battles uh, presented there on our battles page. And then we're also offering, like I said in the beginning, we're offering a startup 12-team Superflex League uh, that we would love for you guys to join. It's hosted on uh, My Fantasy Football League, and uh, the money is held in League Safe, so your money is secure. Uh, Come join us. We'd love to see you there. Join the battle.